Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of Everything You Know About Disability Is Wrong. We have a very exciting guest today, and I, the conversation we had is just incredible. This is another guest that was a dream to have on, and I'm so grateful. Um, without further ado, today's incredible guest is Jillian Mercado, actress, model, advocate, and all-around just cool person, <laughs> truly it was a dream to get to interview her and talk, and she's just so cool and so nice, and I feel like <laughs> so lucky to have gotten to spend an hour just gabbing together, <laughs> the I three mean, of us. I've been following her a lot on social media since, like, forever, and just to be able to chat with her, I can't, I'm like, I was so hyped, especially as a woman who also has muscular dystrophy, who's also Latina, I was like, yes, this is my, my person. <laughs> yes, getting to, I feel like getting to listen to the two of you talk was just like such a joy, and I really think that episodes like this have the power to really change what people's perceptions are, because I think that muscular dystrophy has a lot of very outdated perceptions in the public <laughs> eye, and I... Um, I'm really glad that people get to see, especially like you and Jillian are two of the coolest people I know. So just giving, oh. um, giving muscular dystrophy a very cool image. <laughs> yes. We're not uh, how we're depicted in media. Absolutely. So this is all about that. And it's important to challenge those views because mm. they're harmful. And now we're just changing that with this podcast. Which is, yeah. I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this for my job. <laughs> like, it's I know. incredible. Truly so incredible. It feels unreal. Um, and I hope our listeners feel the same way listening to this episode. It's really exciting. Let's get into it. Oh my goodness. You are such an inspiration. Wow, you really You're are. You're so strong. Can I pet your service dog? Ugh. One, two, three, let's go. Welcome to another episode of Everything You Know About Disability Is Wrong. And today, we're joined by Jillian Machado. She's an activist, she's an uh, actor, and just, like, the best person. <laughs> and I'm so excited to have you here. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here as well. And um, to talk about all things, everything. So... I'm ready. Hit me. <laughs> yes. Awesome. I'm so excited you're here. We got to do a little pre-call a couple weeks ago, just kind of get to know each other. And, you know, I don't have the best social cues, <laughs> um, but I will say I felt like we were instant besties. So <laughs> it was great. I was just I, excited. I agree. I, I would say the same. It was a great conversation. Honestly, I, I wish that was recorded because it was such a good conversation. But we're going to do even a better conversation now so totally absolutely um so we like, we like to start the show with a question and since our show is everything you know about disability is wrong we want to know what do people get wrong about you Oh man, um, probably my existence. Um, just last week I was in uh, Mexico City um, and there was a lot of people who were surprised that I knew Spanish because I was talking in Spanish and they were, a lot of the comments were like, wow, you speak so eloquently. Um, and as much as I really wanted to take that as like a amazing, awesome thing because my grandma, my mom always loves to say like you don't speak enough spanish which is true i don't um there was a lot of like ableist undertones of that comment 
that I could not like shake off. Um, so I think it's just, I think our existence as far as like just living and just like being is so sometimes deep rooted in ableist and stereotypes um, that it's hard to like, just like live, <laughs> just exist and be. Um, because there's a lot of people that still have this notion that, you know, we can't live by ourselves. We can't like have a social life. We can't do all of these things that just are so basic um, that I wish that people understood that we're as human as everyone else. Yeah, it feels like people just can't help themselves but make their assumptions known. And usually people's assumptions are entirely wrong. Yeah, you know, and sometimes I, you know, half of me, I don't blame them, blame them because of the unfortunate representation that has been um, out in the media or just like, you know, also it has to do with like healthcare, not getting enough access to healthcare has to do with like accessibility, not being able to, you know, it was really tough, at least for me to move around in Mexico City, because the streets were so uneven. And there were so many stairs, like, probably like 50 times more stairs that there is in California, where I live. <laughs> um, so it was really hard. So there's, there's sometimes I do understand where people see me in places, and they're so amazed, and they're so shocked. And it's like a whole hoopla, because, um, you know, I feel like if I were to have lived in Mexico City, it would have been really incredibly hard for me to do anything basic or, you know, even go to the grocery store. There there were steps, you know, so sometimes I understand it. But I feel like nowadays because of social media and just the Internet being so accessible um, in certain places that having that like ableist mindset, especially on with a grown adult, <laughs> like it's hard for me to like sympathize. No, totally. That makes complete sense. And you can, I mean, you can understand why people have the assumptions they do, but it doesn't make it less harmful to have to hear. And especially that's something I've kind of noticed because the internet is so accessible in some places but some people it's so inaccessible for I feel like sometimes you end up in like well, I end up in kind of like microcosms of people where I feel like everyone is on the same page we're all learning about ableism at the same time and then you end up in a new setting and it's like oh wait there's whole sections of the population that still think that disabled people like can't exist outside of a nursing home <laughs> I actually yeah and like, I'm sorry go ahead Aaron. Oh, go ahead go ahead oh. Oh, uh, I was just going to add on to that. My my friend just reminded me this one time where I was heading towards, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's ridiculous, but um, I was heading towards an, uh, an event that it was like a really like star studded event and all these people who, if I like start naming people, you're like, oh my God, that's crazy that they were there. Um, and so I was wearing a gown, a gown. Let me just give you a, a picture. I was wearing a blue, bright blue ruffle gown. And I remember getting into an Uber, which took like 45 minutes to get to me. And the guy literally asked me if I was going, he was like, wow, you're dressed so fancy to, for going to the hospital. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, you're not going to, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And at first I thought it was a joke, but he was very serious. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm going to, what? <laughs> like, who dresses this fancy? It was just like the complete disconnect. And I'm like, wow, people really think that the only other places we do go to are hospitals or like nursing homes or anything medical yeah. for that matter. Um, and that really like puts so many, so many things in perspective and like, Every day humbles me thinking about that because <laughs> there's so much work to be done. But also I feel like people who have disabilities have been in these streets since the beginning of time. So like there is no excuse for having that like comment. Um, no. So yeah. But like the other day I went, I went out to a, a restaurant and some guy, I don't know, said, it's so great that you're out of the house. I'm like, 
Yeah, I mean, not really. I hate going outside. <laughs> and it was just like, I get comments like that all the time. It's really... And I don't understand. You know, sometimes that there were there were times where I was really frustrated when I was younger. And I would like rebel and I'd get really mad. And nowadays when I get comments like that, because I as well get comments like that constantly. I usually like if they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing that you're here. I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing that you're here and that we're here together in the same place. And they're so like, uh, and I'm like, yeah, you see how dumb that sounded out loud? Yeah, it's so pretty ridiculous if you ask me so that's a great response you know like I hit him with the same hit him with the same energy you know my energy is just like yeah <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I, <leave. laughs> I feel like if anybody would say that to anybody else who may not have a visible disability they would be like right <laughs> cool <laughs> Yeah, I think if having a non-apparent disability, I think if, so, if someone said, said that to me, I'd be like, is, is this like a threat? Like, what, do you know something about me? <laughs> like, what, why would you comment on that? And I think that that's such a weird thing of like, I, I gotta hypothesize that they think, or it just like feels great for them to say something like that. Like, they think it's gonna be the best thing you've ever heard which is like what like just use and again going back on that people's assumptions just take over i feel like use your context clues like where did all of your context clues go out the window and you know it, it and and sometimes i like sympathize and sometimes i like overanalyze and my i remember my therapist being like stop overworking you're not responsible for other people's minds or thoughts. So if it feels offensive, it was offensive. No matter if it was like well-intended, no matter if they like <laughs> wanted to make themselves feel good about themselves, but like at the end of the day, you're as human as they are. So that comment wouldn't have gone like, okay with anybody else. So what makes you like different? And I'm like, oh my God, you're so right. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Like, I think that's a conversation that's um, kind of become more mainstream about a lot of different intersectional identities, just this idea of like, oh, we don't have to do the labor <laughs> of like rationalizing why these people have these outdated opinions. Yeah, you know, that's I choose a great therapist. Yeah, I choose to like, you know, be an activist in my community. I don't have to. It's not like it's not a contract that I signed when I was like two years old to be like the teacher of all teachers. You know, I do it because, you know, I want to, you know, it's like a thing that I agreed on with myself. Like, oh, if I'm in a situation where I can teach, I will, you know, but it doesn't mean I have to. It doesn't mean that any any person who has a disability needs to be an activist. And I feel like sometimes, you know, even people in our own community get it. Um, get frustrated with other people who also have disabilities, no matter if it's um, invisible or visible, that, you know, that we need to talk about it, that we should talk about it. Um, and not any, not everyone has like that, like energy strength or mindset to really take on a very, 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 very taxing job. Yeah, and there's that saying that existence is resistance and like simply just living is you're, you're doing that and to take i used to be really involved heavily in disability advocacy and i still am um especially at work but i can't spend time after work digging through social media and like being a disability advocate that way anymore because it's, it's so mentally exhausting because you deal with ableism every day and just to see it again online is a lot and it really helps my mental health to step back and that isn't to say we have to be silent all the time 
and they should speak out, but not, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's not that, I, I do think that there is um, a kind of feeling that if you have a disability, you're automatically like thrust into being an activist, simply because in some ways, when you live in a non-accessible world, you, you simply have to advocate for yourself. But I think that that's crucial to allow yourself to have time when you're unplugged or not doing that, especially, I mean, both Aaron and Jillian, the work you do, like Jillian, your activism work and um, that you're constantly talking about things and working for better representation. Aaron, you work at a disability service nonprofit. Like this is your 40 plus hours a week that you're doing this all the time. It could be really easy mm -hmm. to feel like, oh, I need to do this outside of work too. But th then when do you rest? <laughs> and rest is so important. Yeah, exactly. If you don't rest, you can't do the work. Yeah, you're, you can't, it's like sleeping, you know, we have to sleep at night because that's a way of our body like resetting and like healing. And I feel like if we don't have that disconnect of like, like for example, my trip to Mexico was essentially a vacation or it was supposed to be a vacation, but then I find myself in like these like little like pocket holes of like, oh, let's go back to work and like advocate because these people really are not understanding it as much as like me being outside. It's like you said, Aaron, it's already a form of activism, just like doing things that are, you know, you know, maybe not the usual of someone who has a visible disability. And I'm squinting my face because it's even hard to say out loud. Um, but, you know, like just existing, I feel like it's already a form of activism. Um, and sometimes it's just hard to like switch off that, like, because then it just eats inside of you. Like for me personally speaking, like if I don't say something at the moment or if I'm not sarcastic at the moment of the timing of, you know, I obviously pick my battles with people, but, um, it like eats me and I will, I won't let it go. Like it'll just like eat inside of me and I'm like oh that was that would have been such a perfect moment of teaching for that person you know um which I'm working on <laughs> but uh it's a it's a difficult situation to be in especially if you're you know if if you're like us where we're very vocal on like you know the indifferences that are out there currently and still the misrepresentation that people have continued to narrate narrate about our lives. Yeah, I think that that picking your battles and working on it, it is such a like lifetime learning kind of thing because I definitely relate to that where sometimes I'll think like, oh, this isn't worth it for me to try to educate this person. But then, like, I'll say, oh, I want to save my energy and go about my day. But then the rest of the day, I'm in my own head thinking, wow, I wish I would have said something to that person and wondering what they're going to say to someone else. And mm -hmm. it's it's really hard to kind of balance that level of, like, is my own piece correcting and educating or is my own piece ignoring? And I, I don't think there's an answer to that. I think it's got to be a lifelong practice of finding when you need your own piece. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's not like we can save everyone, you know, from this, like, horror of, like, ableist mindset. Um, but I'm trying really hard. Like, there's things that I don't even post them on social media that I live through every single day that I wish that there was, like, a tiny little camera that just, like, following everyone, you know, me, without the other person knowing that there's a camera because there's so many things that happen sometimes. And, my sister, bless her heart, she's like adorable, and she's like, you should, you should carry around a GoPro, like, like he, like on my chest, on all the time, and I'm like, see, but that's the thing, I just don't want to, like, I, we yeah. shouldn't have to, you know, and it's just, it's already like in the moment, in the heat of the moment, it's, it's already such like a shock value to me, like I am 36 years old, and there's still times where I'm just like. I can't even fathom what is currently happening right now to me at this moment now. Like I like sometimes I really can't um and a, a quick example could be like the other day um over a month ago I I went to New York and this uh 
like person who takes the wheelchairs from the airplane to the below deck um, was gaslighting me of how to work my own chair. And I'm breathing because I'd still like, it's still so present in my mind that um, I just could not understand how he really thought that he could outdo me on my own assistive device. Um, essentially breaking my chair because it came to me broken mm -hmm. and I was telling him that <laughs> I've had this chair, I've, I've been in a wheelchair for a very long time and there's no way that like if this was handled correctly it wouldn't have gotten to me like this um to which he kept telling me of how many classes he took and how many courses it, you know you need to take to get this job and how they handle chairs and literally telling me step by step how he did it and i was like those could all be true but you still broke my chair and the fact that you are telling me how to use my own chair is like me coming to your home and giving you a tour to your own home. You're gonna know your home more than I than I know because I don't live there. Same with my chair. I live in my like I this my chair is part of my body, so you telling me how to handle my chair is pretty hilarious. <laughs> um but even moments like that I was telling my sister and she's like, Oh my god, that would have been such a great post <laughs> And I'm like it's just so hard to like know when these things happen, you know? Because it doesn't it doesn't happen twenty four seven, but it the times that it does happen, I'm always just like so taken back by it. Because um, it happens more than I like it to happen all the time. And it's always very shocking to me. Yeah, I'm sorry you dealt with that. That's also just like in, in an airline situation when it's so like dangerous to fly knowing that these people are, I mean, airlines are damaging wheelchairs at a ridiculously unacceptable rate <laughs> and so that's just that's wild and i love the analogy of of giving you a tour of your own home i think that's really <laughs> that just like sets it's i think that's a i hope that there's someone who's listening to this episode that's like oh i never thought of it like that i should probably not be trying to educate people on their own experiences or their own equipment you know, I, I, I do my yeah. best to try to, like, give examples that it's so, like, duh kind of a situation. And again, it's, a, you know, it's er overworking and trying to make people who clearly have a good intention, but, like, everything they're saying is really ableist to, like, try to, like, bring it back home. Let's just, let's just wind it back a little bit because I'm just going to show you how ridiculous this sounds. Um... Again, making them feel way more comfortable than I do, but I, I always try to remember that representation, whether that's in the media or just like out in the streets are so not great <laughs> that like I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm just like, oh, maybe you just haven't encountered a lot of people like myself. And I'm, let's just go with that for now. And hopefully like nobody else ever has to go through this ever because this is traumatizing in so many levels. Yeah. yeah. And like you said before, like, I think a lot of the intention of the things people say is not mean. Mm -hmm. They're trying to be nice, but it still has a negative impact on us. Yeah. And we can't control what, how we feel. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it adds to ableism. It adds to misconceptions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's just so much to hold to the like i mean that that's part of the reason we wanted to make this podcast was having a space where we like don't necessarily have to be like oh and i, I get why they said that like yeah. they represent, like i get it but we can also just be like yeah but it's still still super effed up <laughs> like it's still yeah, messed no, up yeah at the end of the day it's no matter how well intended they you know, people can be, which, you know, we hold space for that too. There's also space for being really mad and pissed and like just annoyed by just comments that my mom always told me to like, think before you talk. And a lot of people don't, but people think that like, we're just like some forum on Reddit where <laughs> it's not like a real person, you know, actually computing what you're saying you know like yes i am a real person i am a human i have this you know we have this pretty much same anatomy inside which means that what you're saying mm -hmm. i am taking 
home, <laughs> you know? Um, so we should just, I, I just as a, a lesson to the world, just be careful what you say out loud. That's it. Or even like what you type on social media because there is another person who is reading that. Yeah, I was just going to bring up that, you know, I want to talk about your career and things as well. But before we get to that, how how has your interactions with social media changed as as your career has evolved, as you have your platforms gotten bigger, you have more eyes on you? How do you deal with that, manage that? I'd imagine that the number of ableist comments becomes somewhat exponential when you have uh, when you be, I think that there's probably some people who just see like famous disabled person. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> like, And mm-hmm. how do you how have you handled that? How do you protect your peace online? I think at the beginning, it was a little tougher. I think I definitely, I remember once my mom calling me because she read a comment that somebody posted in Spanish. And it was just like really mean, like extremely mean. And she called me crying. And she's like, why would anybody say that about you? Like, I don't understand. Why are people so mean? And I started laughing because my first reaction to anything is to laugh. And like literally my first, it's, we're working on this. But... (laughs) (laughs) I remember being like, Ma, like, they don't know who I am at all. They don't know who I am. And, like, they're just people who are unfortunately really sad and lonely. And they need to, like, you know, project these, like, insecurities that they have to me. Because I'm pretty sure they wouldn't tell me this in person. Like, I'm 100% sure these comments would not be in my face if I was actually there. So there's definitely like a disassociation of like person and, you know, profile, I guess, or something like that. Um, so at first I used to take it to heart. I think now it's almost, I've, I mean, I think people with disabilities find humor in everything. Um, and that's how we've been able to survive. Mm-hmm. It's like our surviving mechanism is to like find humor in like the, the tiniest things. Um, so like now the way I see it is, well, if you leave like a really mean comment i automatically delete it and block the person i don't even like try to like know the. i don't even try to message them i just like you know unless there's a learning experience for the viewer then i'll respond but if it's something like just like this person just had a bad day i'm just gonna delete it and block and that's it and then in the end there's other times where i leave it or especially if it's like a personal dm dm and not a comment I usually, I do read it, um, just to see what the kids are talking about these days. And then I go, wow, this person really spent 10 minutes to search my name, to type with their fingers or to type or whatever, to leave a message, however they're leaving messages. And that was a time of their life that I was a part of. That makes me feel so special and so nice, like, aww. That's so sweet of you to spend that time for me. Oh, I love it. Thank you. And, and and then I keep moving on. I think that's a really great mindset to have. And also just, yeah, that reminder of like, we got finite hours here and you're, you're spending you know? it. Like there's, there's fresh air to breathe and fun <laughs> memories to make with your friends. Like there's delicious meals to eat in this life and you're choosing to mm-hmm. leave hateful comments like yeah. and you know it makes me sad for the people who are like that lonely or what's happened in their life that led to that but it's just it's such you know what you said that you don't think people would say that in person I think that obviously there's still ableist comments in person but there's something sure. about behind the keyboard where people just say things that would never come out of their mouths so i i think that's great and i i also am glad you brought up your mom calling and being hurt by it because i think that sometimes people especially when commenting on someone with a certain level of status whether it's like celebrity whatever in that they think like there's a certain disconnect of like this isn't a real person but like their family members have to see that. Like I, your, your mom had to read that mean comment. And I, I don't think that person thought about that. Like that's, yeah, that's truly terrible. I mean, they don't even and think know. about themselves, you know, that's, that's the sad part. And that's the heartbreaking part for me is like, as much as I like my first reaction is to laugh or whatever I do like, cause I'm a very empathetic person. 
I do think about like, like what would have gotten to the point of that person actually writing that? Like I, I go back into like the story, what's the story behind the message, you know? And like, but for me deleting and like blocking the person, I do think about everybody else who's reading it. I think about like me at eight years old, if I had social media and I was like, you know, finding some sort of hope or inspiration or just like any kind of a sign of like, do, you know, of existing in this world. I do think about that person reading that and like, how would they feel if they like saw like, you know, my successes and the things that I've done and then reading that comment and being like, well, this is a sign that I should never, you know? Um, and it takes that like tiny little, teeny little, like, you know, comment to like really discourage a person. And, and I, and I don't know that from personal experience because it was very hard for me to like find some sort of like glimmer of hope or a sign to like, you know, tell me that this is, this is something that I really want to do in my life, you know? Um, and it's even harder when you're growing up in a, in a place or a town or a country or, you know, world for that matter that, you know, there's a lot of ableist everything everywhere, you know, um, it's hard to like grasp onto the hope, um, especially if there's nothing to hold on to, you know, so you're holding on to yourself for dear life. <laughs> um, yeah. so I think about that every time I see these comments and that's why I don't even bother sometimes to reply or to teach this person a lesson because I don't got time for that, but also like time is money and I don't want that person to see that, you know, not to say that I'm blinding any, everyone or like removing the, the hardship that it does go into being, um, someone who has a disability, but I feel like we have a lot of that already everywhere. Um, so I'm not doing a disservice to that. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So I do my best to like have it, have my social media be as a safe space as possible, you know? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think that's one of the sweetest and most care filled things I've ever heard explanation of like (laughs) block and delete of that level of like, Mm -hmm. you don't know who's seeing it and who's seeing themselves or what they can be in you and keeping that space safe for them, I think is really beautiful i'm i'm glad you said that and i i think that's a really wonderful way to like curate what you said a safe space online i think that's wonderful well we we deal with ableism every day so transitioning away from that a little bit (laughs) so you got your start in your career correct me if i'm wrong in fashion and modeling correct what what got you interested in fashion what was that kind of trajectory like I feel like this podcast will just be about my mom because my mom was the one who introduced me to fashion without, I think actually my parents, let me, let me kind of give my dad a little two cents there. They both (laughs) introduced me to fashion without knowing that it was fashion. And I don't think I knew what fashion was until I was like probably in middle school, maybe. Um, My, my dad would like bring my mom like these like authentic, like, crocodile shoes and snake leather sitch or whatever um i've been a vegetarian for now year nine years now so even saying that i'm like cringe about it (laughs) but (laughs) i was so like amazed that this was like even a thing i was like asking all the questions i'm like how do they do this wait this is amazing design blah 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 and my mom um i was well she actually told me this a couple months ago, which I didn't know. So keep asking your parents questions because you will find out new things about yourself that you didn't even know. I was almost born in a factory, in a clothing factory. Um, my mom hid her pregnancy from her boss till it was like too obvious. Um, and then she was like, you, I quit my job and a week later you were born. And I was like, wait, what? You are a mad woman. That's like, absolutely wild the fact that you kept sewing clothes in this factory until i almost popped out um so it was it's i was kind of born she was born in it kind of in fashion um and then i remember applying for i remember applying for colleges in high school and my mom being like you have the privilege of like picking whatever you're you know happiest in whatever career you choose we will like obviously be supportive but make sure that you're actually like excited for this like don't do it for us 
don't do it for the trend don't do it for like do it for yourself because you're the one that's going to be stuck with it every single morning you're the one that's going to have to find motivation to be there and fortunately enough like we immigrated from Dominican Republic to make it easier for myself and my two sisters um and that meant that we could do whatever we wanted, you know, which was kind of, it's kind of a power to have, um, and a privilege for that matter. So fashion, I was like, I want to do something in fashion, but I don't know what. And she's like, that's a great direction. You know, just go to a fashion school and figure it out. And that's literally kind of what I did. I went to FIT in New York and, um, spent four years figuring out what I wanted to do and kind of like landed, um, in a modeling, my first um, modeling job was a worldwide campaign and really like everything kind of exploded as far as like representation for me went because I wasn't seeing um, myself in anything that I loved doing and I was like how can a place that I feel like home be so discouraging to see that nobody looks like me in it so kind of that kind of motivated me even harder. I'm also very stubborn. Maybe it has to do with my Taurus sign, but I'm like super, super stubborn. So I like needed to prove to myself in the world that like this was possible because I saw it in like I saw it when I closed my eyes. So I don't understand why I didn't see it when I opened my eyes. Um, so I kind of made it a mission on myself to like change that narrative as much as I could. Um, and that landing me my worldwide campaign and being like, well, I really wanted to be an editor for a magazine to hire people like myself. But like the world was like, you're the person that you wanted to hire. And it was like a really cheesy moment. But I was like, I'm going to I'm going to go for this. Um, and then, yeah, so my first job was like 2014. Um, and I haven't stopped since. And then four years ago, I landed my first acting job. And that was also like a moment of like, oh my God, also disabled people are not really represented great on television. Awesome. Another, another house to like bust open and, and <laughs> blow up. <laughs> and here we are. So much to say about that. One, <laughs> mom's rock. <laughs> we, yeah. This is a recurring theme on this mom. podcast. We love moms. <laughs> And so that's wonderful. Um, I love that. I love the almost almost born in it. And then just realizing it's your home and you got to clean up your home if it's not looking like you want it to. I, I really love that. And I think that you certainly have been one of the dominant leaders of like changing the way we think about who can be a model and like just I, I'm I think the work you've done has been incredible. And I think it's clear that it's come from following what feels like home, following what feels right. I think that that's a really empowering thing for our listeners to hear that you as an activist are doing a lot of what quote unquote, sometimes people think they should be doing, mm -hmm. but you ended up there not because you felt like you should, but because it felt, it felt real, it felt like home, it felt like what you were supposed to be doing. And I think that that's a guiding light for people to find those places that even if maybe it doesn't look like you're supposed to be there yet, trust the feeling. And if you think you're supposed to be there, you can be part of the making space for others to be there too. Yeah, intuition really is always right. Let me just, let me just, as a, as a broad human, like, Follow your intuition. She will never fail. She will always guide you to like, even when you go against it, like, and I'm using, I'm using a pronoun on, on energy and the universe, but, um, <laughs> let's be real. I no, no, intuition no. uses she, her. Let's be <laughs> she's, she's probably a Taurus too. I'm also a Taurus. You know? <laughs> no way. That's awesome. Um, but you know, like, tuition is always right, and I feel like there's a lot of things that people want to put against us. And I'm, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking like living, you know, as a person who's female ident uh, identifying in this world is already hard enough, but like also having a disability on top of that sometimes can feel taxing, can feel like, you know, a lot of weight. Um, and I feel like sometimes I use that um, 
as a power almost and and kind of like an energy source for that matter because I, I very solely I very very believe that the universe doesn't give you anything that you can't handle um and I know for a fact that sometimes I'm just like oh why lord why like why are why are we here again um but then I found like the, I found, always find myself in the most like magical situations where I'm like you know if anything I went through this so someone doesn't have to go through this or I went through this so that somebody else can be like oh my god that's awesome here's a sign I've been waiting for to do this as well you know um so there's like little moments that I do my best to try to find some sort of like energy source or light because it's already tough out here being a human in this world and there's so many things that are happening currently at the moment where I'm just like why why are we like this to each other um but then there's all the, those like teeny little moments, the little gold nuggets I try to find to like make it worthwhile sticking around. I love that. And I think you bring up a good point of that, like different identities all, that are already a layer of what you have to deal with on this, in this existence, in this society. And I know that one thing we really wanted to talk about was the intersectionality of queerness, race, disability. I know all three of us sit at different spots in those intersections. And I think that for myself, at least, my queer identity is very connected to Mm -hmm. my autistic identity because I've kind of, as I was discovering one, discovered the other. But I feel that that's probably, I'm just interested in both of your relationships and how that intersection plays a role in your life. Race as well. Lots of intersectionality going on. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to go first, Erin? Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I think as I grew older, I discovered so many different intersectionalities that I have and that I, I've always identified with, but I never like brought them with me if that makes sense. Um, I've always like either tucked away my queerness or I tucked away me being like Latina because like it felt safer that way or, and and then I had to realize that not only is that is such a privilege to have, but I, if I would tuck away one of them, I would only be giving like half of myself. You know, I wouldn't be giving all of who I am. And I think that that's important to be who you are in every scenario, no matter if it's dangerous, no matter if you feel unsafe, no matter if it's like uncomfortable feeling. But if you don't, if you're not who you are the whole time, then, you know, one, mistakes will be made. Um, and two, um, nobody wants to live that way. <laughs> nobody wants, at the end of the day, nobody wants to like hide who they are, you know? And I feel like there is room um, to be who you are no matter what, you know? Mind you, there's obviously outside forces that can can prevent, you know, safe environments or whatever, but I feel like, you know, the most, like, toughest people that are around, mind you, we don't have to be tough, we don't have to be warriors or anything <laughs> like that, but I feel like the people who, you know, have always been true them, to themselves live the happiest, even if they don't have riches and royalties and golds and, you know, whatever material things. I think if you're able, at least with yourself, to be accepting of you, everything kind of uh, follows through easier, I think. I think when you have, like, that um, hurt inside where you don't feel like you're complete because of outside forces, it makes life a little harder. But um, the most most beautiful people I've ever met like accept themselves fully whatever that looks like for them um and that's so inspiring to to be surrounded by those people or to have moments with those people um because that only makes me feel safer to be who I am um and to celebrate all my intersectionalities and to be a proud Latina and to be you know screaming outside of an airplane how queer I am so queer sometimes I'm like Jesus girl so so queer (laughs) and like really I'm out here with my disability community and like yes I I do need extra time to get on the plane and I will take that time to get on the plane and y'all will wait okay even if it's 10 minutes I'm gonna take it you know and and being women and understanding that like 
yes, we should have autonomy of our own body and there should be no questions or comments about it. That's just the end, period, you know? Um, and I, so there's times where I'm just really unsure why we're still talking about these situations because it just seems so reductant to me. And so like, we have so many other important things to talk about and we're really choosing to talk about this really doesn't compute in my mind how, why, you know? Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Yay. as if it's like still a, it's still as if it's a debate <laughs> when it's like, there's, there's no debate. This is our bodies. <laughs> there's yeah, exactly. actually no debate. <laughs> like, no, there shouldn't be a, like, I don't, why are we, why are we even talking about this? First of all. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And like, I have all those intersections and all those, all those identities are like under fire mm -hmm. every, every day. day. And it's hard to hold all of that in yourself. But talking about moms, my mother always instilled in me, like, don't give a shit what other people think about you. Take up space and just be yourself. And if somebody doesn't like it, they don't matter in your life. So just forget it. And that to me is like, is what propelled me to be so out about who I am. That's I my that. oh, It's so <laughs> true. And I, and I kind of want to add to that because I feel like sometimes, I mean, I know I used to be like this when I was younger, but sometimes I feel like, you know, in, in places where we do take up space physically and mentally speaking, I think that when I was younger, I used to some tell my, like used to be freak. I used to freak out about taking other people's space, like taking extra time to get on the plane or like, extra time to do anything for that matter. Um, and then I would get into like these really negative thoughts where I start start telling myself like, I'm like, I'm a burden. I shouldn't have been here. Why did I even come here? Like now I'm like making these people like, you know, delay. Maybe someone has the graduation. Like I really came up with stories in my mind. And then, <laughs> and then I had to be like, no, Jill, they're taking as much time as you're taking, maybe in different ways. It could be like vocally speaking, it could be like literally space, space speaking. Why, what's so different about you? Like there's nothing different about you. You just need more time as they would need more time somewhere else, you know? Um, so when you, when you humanize humans, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny to say, um, like you start, you start kind of like where you say, you start like, no, fuck. I'm just, I'm going to do me and, and, and that's it. And the end. <laughs> and that's it. And there should be more talk about it, mm -hmm. you know? So again, moms are right and they're the best. And, um, I, whoever is your mom, it could be a mother. It could be a mom, literally. <laughs> it could be whoever you like, even it could be yourself, but listen to those thoughts and, and voices. Cause, um, they're right. Usually. Unless you're harming someone else, then they're not. Then then delete right. them. Then go get them <laughs> because you need them. But <laughs> if you're not harming anyone, then definitely yeah. listen to them. My favorite thing to do is if I notice somebody getting frustrated with me taking up space, I will not move. I I'll stay there, be in your way, and I'll just deal with it. <laughs> She's like, I will turn this to a whole pro a sit protest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I also think just bringing up that, um, you know, with lots of different identities under attack, the feeling that maybe the outside world doesn't feel like a safe space. I think that that's when it becomes even more crucial to be true to who you are because your inside world is the only world that there's some control on. And that's, that has to be a safe space. And I know for myself, it was not a safe space until I started accepting all parts of my identity. So I think that that's really important. And listeners just hope you're making a safe space in your own mind. That's really, really important. And it's gotta be step one, I think for a lot of things. And I think to add on to that, I think that there's times where it's even hard to find a safe space in your mind. But like, if anybody's listening and feels that way, the most, 
the most like beautiful thing about at least for the intersectionalities that I am a part of, I can't speak about others, but that I know that I personally have gone through, there's so much magic in all of them. And there's such a community of people that love you and will hear you and that will sit there and like listen to anything. I know that the disability community has definitely like saved me in so many different situations. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. I know that like my Latina community, as loud as they are, as messy, as like, I'm like chaotic, we're such lovable people and we will, you know, literally saw off a hand for someone else. Um, <laughs> to make sure they're safe and to make sure they're being seen and um, and I love that and we and we definitely add spices to every conversation. Um, so if anything, you will laugh. Um, and and I feel like <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty blessed to say that like I've found um, like beautiful moments in all my intersectionality and and knowing that there's such a community of people there on the other side who like will accept me the way I am, you know? Um, so if there, if there anyone who's listening who feels like their mind is just like complete chaos and has like 30 tabs open on the computer um, in their head, know that there is someone else who will take and close each one of those out to make space for like new things. So definitely reach out. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I think that that's actually a really important like step that doesn't get talked about if, if that like, you know, I, I say, make a safe space in your mind. And I think that there's a um, thought that that has to be something you do alone, but it doesn't. Yeah, like you can, that's, community is so important. And in the individualistic society we live in, sometimes it can seem like all advice is advice that you need to take and do by yourself but no find your communities of people who like you said will help you close those tabs i think that that's yeah and it crucial. could be small it could be so tiny and i only say this because i'm so in my head all the time like too much in my head girl i live in my head sometimes and i'm like wait hold on <laughs> i have to get up and go out and experience life but i feel like there's you know even if it's like tiny little things like you know, if you're able to go to the supermarket and like just ask somebody where the butter is, even though you absolutely know where the butter is, just to like get that human interaction. And if you are not able to go outside, like I know I found such a community in playing video games or like going to, I'm a nerd, so I love anime and you know, finding my anime community and like talking and like, so there's like little things that are fortunately enough. If you're able to hear this podcast, that means that that is a form of privilege that you have. So that means that you have internet access. So that means that you could find that community online if you, you know, put yourself out there to find it. And that's like the first small step that you can do. And every any everything else kind of snowballs into that. Um, and again, I'm everything I say this is because it's been personal experience of me just like getting lost in my own head. I feel like, I mean, it wasn't necessarily my generation, but my sister's generation. So she kind of made me watch uh, SpongeBob. And there's an episode where SpongeBob is literally in his head, like mm -hmm. running around. <laughs> burning file cabinets and going like help help or something he said or whatever and sometimes I literally feel like that where I'm just like running around in my own head not finding an, an escape exit um but then knowing that there's always like a fire extinguisher on the side and that is community and that is like finding people who are like who will understand and who listen because I feel like in this experience we have on this planet we're not meant to be alone um, that is like pretty impossible for people to survive alone. Um, and I think it's important to like, as strong as you want to be that community and, and people are out here to help. Like you will always find someone who will give you a hand to help no matter what. And it's, and it is very important to ask for help if you need help. Again, I'm saying this out loud cause I'm so stubborn that sometimes I don't ask for help and my friends are like, Jillian, just ask for help it's not that hard you to do so like people love you who you are and no one's gonna be mad and if they're mad to help you then those are not friends that you need in your life so control i'll delete those people it's fine mm -hmm. <laughs> you know absolutely and yeah i mean it's definitely easier said than done but 
it's important. And I, I also want to note that you said that it doesn't matter about size or anything like that. It's, I think in that episode of, of SpongeBob, it's like Patrick <laughs> that helps him get out of there. And that's his one buddy. And that's all he needs. And you like, it can be your mom. It can be whoever. But it, it just it's helpful, I think. If, especially if you are someone who tends to live up in your head, which I definitely relate to, Julian. <laughs> I definitely spend a lot of time up there. And it, it is crucial to be able to have the people in your life that you can say, hey, I'm in my head. Can you hold my hand as we <laughs> exit the building? <laughs> I need that. So I think that's really beautiful. Well, we are close to being out of time but no. one topic that we I know, this went so fast. One topic we didn't quite get yeah. to that I want to just bring up at the end. You have worked on shows and your uh, short film, the My Eyes Are Up Here, and L Word, both. Sex. Sex oh. happens. Sex is real. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's part, it doesn't get talked about at all in the disability community. Well, it does in. It doesn't get assumed outside of. There's a lot of assumptions about us that we don't have sex or we don't do these things. What was it like be, being on screen? holding the bar of not only disabled representation, but this kind of taboo topic and being kind of the face of that. How'd you feel about that? I mean, not gonna lie, the first time it was brought to my attention, I internally screamed, both in horror film and excitement, all <laughs> but to one. I was like, everything in my inside my body was like, don't do it, Jillian. And like, I literally was like, absolutely. <laughs> It wasn't my intuition telling me not to do it. It was my brain telling me not mm -hmm. to do it. And um, I think it definitely, like, I, like, at first I was like, I didn't even hesitate. I said yes. And then, like, it all settled in my body. And I was like, okay, Jillian, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. We're going to, you know, really, like, and I did my research, even though, like, I myself has a, have a disability. But I, I authentically researched, like, which I kid you not, Googled like sex scenes with a dis disabled like character or whatnot. And unfortunately, you know, and then also fortunately, I guess, because like sex is awesome. And like, if it's in porn, then like, that's awesome as well. But it was a little, it's a little gnarly to me that it was the only thing I found. Mm -hmm. um, at, other than like, maybe like a, a few indie films. Mm -hmm. But that was pretty much it. Um, and so I was like, wow, the fact that like this is like on Showtime. So it, it, a bigger audience for that matter um, really like made me nervous at first. Um, but then through like this took not the scene was like three minutes, mind you. But, I mean, as far as like in the L word. But it took us like it took me at least six months to like make sure like I had conversations with my scene partner. I had conversations with a cinema cinematographer, asked, like letting them know, like this has to. At the end of the day, this has to look sexy. That's it. Period. Like it just has to look good, as good as anybody else who has a sex scene on this show. Which it's like every single episode, <laughs> <laughs> like at any like multiple scenes. You know, I'm like it just has to look very co cohesive, like the other scenes are. Um, it has to look beautiful. It has to look hot. I want people to kind of forget and then remember, you know, I, I want that kind of like roller coaster of like, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, huh? Wait, yes. <laughs> you know, like literally that emotion roller coaster I really wanted to because it was so it's so it was so important for me to not only showcase what sex could look like, um, if your partner has some sort of disability, but also that it is as important as anybody else who doesn't have a disability, you know, get to, you know, showcase this part of a normal person's life, you know? And that I don't think, I, I think it's unfair to categorize every single person as like asexual or that they don't have sex, which, you know, can also live and that's very important to showcase that as well because that's a real thing. And I think that a lot of people get really confused when someone's like, I'm asexual and I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> but it's also fine for someone to be like, I'm not. And I do enjoy that part of my life and I think it's okay. And I'm not sure why we're even having this conversation to begin with, but here we are. Um, 
so it was very empowering and I and I really wanted to make sure that I was like you know I was doing it for my community but I was also doing it for myself and hopefully with people that like you know wasn't sure if that was even a possibility or you know younger kids who you know their emotions are like literally hormones are going all over the place but society saying no you can't make out with that person no you can't sleep with that person not because of like safe sex kind of reasons but because and solely because you have a disability period you know so that was really important to me to like showcase those nuances and and also showcase to the part of like you know there's there's this line i say which mind you i i said it in our table read and they literally made me say it out loud so it was kind of like a personal literally a personal experience that i had where i told a person like you're not gonna hurt me um but it's so important because i feel like a lot of people assume that people with disabilities are very fragile and i feel like consent and communication is important period whether you have a disability or not when you're in such an intimate space but i feel like more so um if you're gonna hurt me i will let you know <laughs> i i will vocalize no matter you know what kind of vocalization or sign um, if somebody's saying no, no matter how they're saying no, it's a no, you know, mm -hmm. but it's also, you shouldn't assume that you're going to hurt someone unless they're telling you, you know, what to touch, what not to touch, whatever, you know, I think communication is important period, but, um, in a way, I guess I'm kind of happy that that line was put on there because I feel like a lot of people do assume that like, you know, we're very fragile and we're like porcelain dolls and like any touch will break us or like they don't want to be that person or whatever. So it was really important for me to like showcase all those like teeny little nuances and also make a really hot scene. And yeah. that's what I tried to do in the movie, in the film that I showed in Tribeca, which was LOL about a one night stand and the whole movie is about me trying to find plan B. Um, and in the L word, just like having a relationship with my boyfriend on like, that's what happens when you have a relationship, you know? Um, so yeah. You succeeded. It's, Thank it's you. a very hot scene. <laughs> it's a very hot scene. <laughs> um, that's wonderful. I think that you, in so many aspects of your life and the work you're doing and the content you're creating, just truly are changing people's assumptions and making this world a better place for everyone. So I just thank you for the work you do. I am geeking out the fact that I got to talk to you today. Like this has just been so awesome. I think you're so cool. Aaron, you know, I think you're so freaking cool. So <laughs> this is just, I, I'm delighted. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. Great. Yeah. yeah, this has been wonderful. Thank you for a beautiful episode. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this. Another awesome episode of everything you know about disability is wrong and maybe you're starting to learn some things about disability that are right uh have a wonderful day i did not want that episode recording to end <laughs> no it was it, just this way it like it felt like it was five minutes and it i know was <laughs> we've never gone over on a recording like we like we we went way over on our recording time for this episode because we were just so into the conversation with Jillian. Um, thank you so much to Jillian for coming on and being so open with us and chatting about really important stuff. Um, just like we say about all of our guests, give them a follow on social media. Jillian's Instagram is really awesome and she's just doing incredible things in the world of fashion and acting and just also sharing her uh, experiences with ableism out in the wild, which, as we talked about in this episode, are unfortunately all too often. Yeah. So give her a follow and thank you for listening. We'll see, see you next see you time. Next time. <laughs>
is wrong. This is a podcast brought to you by Easter Seals. You know, we actually work for Easter Seals, but maybe our listeners don't know what we do. That's true. Easter Seals is leading the way to full access, equity, and inclusion for disabled people and their families. And did you know we've been doing this for more than a century? This includes helping disabled people find meaningful employment, and addressing healthcare needs for all ages. We're proud to serve communities across the country and ready for the next 100 years. For more, check out EasterSeals.com.